Okay. Mm. I would ask, what are you jealous of? Honestly, who or what are you jealous of? Can you celebrate someone else's gifts and progress and opportunity? Can you, or does it feel a threat to you? Those are those are just good things to know, you know. And and again, no shame, no shade on it at all. But it's important to know. It's important to know the things within us, and it won't be the same for all of us. You might hear somebody, you know, and you might have to just watch. You might be like, I'm fine, I'm fine. But then you hear that woman sing, and then you're practicing that same run for the rest of the day. I would suggest that if it's not that, there might be a little thing there. If you're trying to conquer what she did and take it further, I, I would I would just offer to you, perhaps you might want to process that a little before the throne. If it's the glory of God to conceal a matter and the glory of kings to search it out, then Queen, we have a few questions to ask and a few conversations to have. I am your host, Liv Dooley, and I cannot wait to introduce you to some of the women who inspire me to fall more deeply in love with the Word of God and walk in integrity in new ways every day. I am so grateful that you're here. Let's go on and get to work. Hey y'all, it's me Liv and I am so incredibly grateful that you are back with us for another conversation here at the Best Kept Secret. Y'all, I have to tell you that today's conversation breaks new records. This is going down as one of the most necessary conversations that we have ever had. And I pray that you will save it and share it and really just help to introduce other people to the incredible work that our guest is doing because it is so ridiculously necessary. Today, I want to invite you to look at Numbers chapter 27 with me as we prepare to get into this conversation. As you know, we continue to consider what it looks like to live with integrity and what that means when we do, what happens as a result of that. Numbers chapter 27 is an incredibly powerful story about the important work that five women were called to and how that work influenced the Israelite culture. And my goodness, I just love studying the daughters of Zelophehad. Up until this point, we had only caught glimpses or hints of the fact that a woman could possibly inherit a portion of her father's estate. However, we know that this was not the rule by any stretch of the imagination. Women did not inherit their father's property. In Genesis chapter 31 verses 14 through 16, however, we do read about a conversation between Rachel, Leah, and their husband Jacob as they prepared to leave their father's land. And they did share that they were disappointed that their father Laban had not given them any share in 
the inheritance of his estate, but that their father had instead treated them as if they were slaves. Y'all, this tells us that there were hints of a possibility that women could be inheritors, but it was not the rule. We find five women actually have the opportunity to bring their case before Moses. And y'all, that was huge when we get to Numbers chapter 27, because we know that Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, actually instructed him to appoint other men as judges so he would only see the most important, difficult cases for um, the people. And we learned about that in Exodus chapter 18. So this wasn't something that these women just haphazardly happened to do. They didn't just end up in front of Moses. They went through step after step after step to secure the inheritance that rightly belonged to them, although they were women. And we see that this issue was so much larger than inheritance. This issue that we read about in Numbers chapter 27 is actually an issue of integrity. You see, when they talk to Moses, they don't say, we, we know we're women and we shouldn't have any rights to the land. We know that it's not our customary practice to inherit land, but we feel we should be allowed. No, that's not what they say. They share that their father died in the wilderness from his own sin as one of the Israelites who were restricted from entering the promised land because of their collective rebellion and disbelief. However, they continue to share that he was not among Korah's followers and he did not rebel against the Lord when they spoke up against Moses. When Moses sought the Lord about this issue, the Lord told Moses what to do. And in doing so, he shared that what they say, what these daughters of Zelophehad say is actually correct. Their father did not rebel. And that Moses is to give them the hereditary property among their father's brothers and transfer their inheritance to them. When we read Numbers chapter 27, we find that integrity leads you to the rightful inheritance you are meant to receive in the Lord. And y'all, the same is true today. Now, I know you're probably taking a moment because you're saying, you know, Liv, I don't have a rich father <laughs> and I don't know what inheritance you are referring to, but I want to remind you of Isaiah 54, verse 17. The Legacy Standard Bible says, no weapon that is formed against you will succeed, and every tongue that accuses you in judgment, you will condemn. This is the inheritance of the slaves of Yahweh, and their righteousness is from me, declares Yahweh. Y'all, as slaves of the Lord, as servants of the Lord, we have a rightful inheritance. And when we live with integrity, 
we find that not only is no weapon that has ever been formed against us successful, but we have the opportunity to condemn any word that rises up against us in judgment. It is my prayer that we would continue to seek the opportunity to live with integrity and in turn enjoy everything that the Lord has entrusted to us, everything that we were ever meant to inherit every single day. No weapon that is formed against you will succeed. That, that is good to me. It's that time, y'all. My co-host Tanya and I are here with another woman you should know. Yeah. Tanya, girl, who do we need to know this week? Oh, Liv, I am so excited to introduce you and everyone on the podcast to a young woman of God that I know. I have the pleasure of calling her a friend, and her name is Leah Marie McKay. Listen, although she's my personal friend and I know her well, I'm introducing her on this podcast because she's a woman of God, and she's got the work of God on her heart. So not only is she a mother and a wife, she's a nurse by practitioner. But she's also got a couple businesses, like a couple as in more than one. (laughs) And she runs a ministry that is wholeheartedly devoted to supporting and encouraging Christian mothers. I love the ministry. It's called Mother to Mother Canada. And literally, it's just a group or pretty much a forum that she runs a couple times a year. It allows a group of which Christian women to come together to encourage each other on their motherhood journey and overall on their womenhood journey. When the session is happening on a weekly basis, Leah and the team that she works with are sending out weekly playlists, weekly journal prompts. They are doing weekly prayer sessions and weekly prayer videos. I mean, it's just a time to build yourself up spiritually as a mother and being connected with these other women. But also, when the sessions are running, she's hosting events so that every couple weeks or every couple months, you're able to meet and join some other mothers and just relax, sometimes get pampered, sometimes just have a nice time out or have a nice event with the kids. And it's just a beautiful, wholesome, and encouraging group for Christian women and for moms because motherhood space can sometimes be tiring yeah geez there's so many things to say it can really be a lot and this group really is to encourage and uplift mothers so it's a beautiful space that she runs and i'm so proud of her for it i've been in one of the seasons that i'll definitely join again so that's just one of the things that she does that's one of the things that she runs also she runs like a holistic wellness business and you'll find the link to her site on the show notes and finally she runs this sweet like this dessert business it's called treat yourself sweets and oh my goodness the sweets are they're just they're out of this world i they're just too good to be true honestly (laughs) so she's like doing the most but honestly she's fab and she's definitely a woman you should know with the work of god on her heart I took a sigh when you were talking about those treats because I was looking at those treats. <laughs> I was like, 
First of all, we're not mailing anything from Canada to the U.S. ever again because the memes are ridiculous. But if they yeah. weren't, I would be like, would you please send me some cookies? Because these cookies <laughs> look amazing. But back to the other work that she's doing, it just mm-hmm. sounds absolutely amazing. And I am all for shouting out your friends. I mean, what an honor to be able to do life with them, to be able to share space and eternity with these Amen. incredible women, you know? Amen. And Amen. it just sounds absolutely amazing. I love to hear the intentionality behind the community that they're building so that yes. mamas feel supported. And yes. my goodness, what uh, an amazing ministry. Thank you so much for introducing us to Leah. She is definitely a woman. You should know, ladies. One of my favorite things about this season has been the opportunity to highlight incredible women who are doing important work. And Leah, thank you so much for just giving us the opportunity to share a little bit of what you're doing to make our world a better place. As y'all know, Leah is not the only one. Today, I am incredibly grateful to introduce you to someone who has had a true impact on my life through the words that she has written. And I think that is really why I appreciate books so much. We truly do have the opportunity to mentor others through the words that we write. And Joe Saxton is a mentor to many. Joe is an author, speaker, IJM ambassador, podcast host, and leadership coach. She has dedicated her career to growing leadership teams and investing in women leaders. She's led ministries, nonprofits, pastored, and planted churches. So she gets the challenges that women face in leadership. And that is why she is passionate to see women secure in their God-given identity, connected in meaningful and empowered community, and confident in their call as they are resourced to lead. She has written several books, including Ready to Rise, More Than Enchanting, which is also known as Influential in the UK, The Dream of You, and High Heels and Holiness. She is the co-host of a podcast called Lead Stories with Pastor Steph O'Brien, and she is also the founder of an initiative called the Azer Collective. My goodness, would you please help me welcome Joe Saxton to the best kept secret. All right, y'all, I am so incredibly grateful for our guest today. I had an opportunity to actually participate in the book launch that she had for Ready to Rise, Own Your Voice, Gather Your Community, and Step Into Your Influence. And as I was praying about this season, I just felt like, I wanted to ask her on and y'all, she said, yes. (laughs) Joe Saxton, hello, hello. How are you today? Hi, I'm good, thank you. Thank you so much. Gosh, that was a long time ago, Ready to Rise. 
It was, it was, but it really did bless me. And I believe that it will bless some others. I know that you do a lot in the leadership space. And we're kind of talking about not only how to navigate integrity and grow and develop that, but also how to lead through hard subjects and hard areas. And I can't thank you enough for lending your voice to this space today. Thank you so much. I just want to go on and start right there. Why is it important that we as Christians, Christian creatives, Christian leaders have integrity? I think it's one of those things that we don't really like to talk about. It's one of those things that we kind of just, you know, hide under the rug and we act like we have it until we realize we don't. So can you tell us, you know, why is it important that we would have integrity? What have you found within your own leadership experience? Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's very hard to lead people to places you, you're not going and that you've never been. And so integrity would suggest that if we are serious about the things that we're sharing, the things that we're leading people in, that we in some way are at least trying to lead that way ourselves and live that way. It makes our, our message hollow, to be honest. And and it it's understandable why we would be considered um, hypocrites if we are saying one thing and living a completely different life or having a completely different approach behind the scenes. And so integrity is about consistency. And, and it means there's some, there, hopefully it gives us some empathy as we're leading people in a particular direction that we too have struggled, that we too are processing things. And it actually um, means that we have an integrated life, that things come together in wholeness rather than talking a good game and then doing something else completely differently. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. My goodness, y'all, without integrity, our lives are hollow and they leave us open to just appear as if we were hypocrites and uh, we do not want that at all. I know you have a breadth of leadership experience in a variety of capacities in different ways. Can you tell us about a time that the Lord led you to develop greater integrity or just to pay attention to it? Yes, yeah, sadly, that happens on a regular basis. So oh, like, goodness, we're not alone. Okay. <laughs> you know, I, I think there have been particular chapters of my life, to be honest, and they've, they've been about different things because I think we all have our favorite integrity button. So in my younger years, in my 20s, when I was starting out in leadership, the integrity call was really um, a lot about some of my external, like my habits. So I had started speaking and I'd started in um, in the smallest, in small settings, but my lifestyle was like God was Sunday and he had my whole Sunday from whenever the service began to when it ended. And then the rest of the week, I'm like, it's okay, I can take care of that now. And so in that moment, integrity, the challenge for integrity was um, your lifestyle doesn't match your claims. It really, it really doesn't. I drank incredibly heavily. There were all kinds of things that were going on and they were reflections of my own brokenness and my own story. But it's one thing saying God is amazing and he can do all these things. And, and again, the words became hollow. So for me, that moment was a journey of healing. Mm -hmm. And as I, um, in some ways came back to faith, <laughs> yeah. um, and, and came back to the Lord and, and encountered the healing that he brought, it was like the because your life is the message, really. It's not just your gifts that are the message. Your life is, life became a bit more of a testimony. I think um, in my 30s, integrity was actually about being real about what was actually going on. Um, by that point, I'd kind of got, 
ironed out some of the big, the some of the big crinkles and increases in my life. But I remember there was a moment when I had my second child. I had postpartum depression, and um, and I was I'd been invited to speak at a retreat, and as far as people knew, I was off on maternity leave. And the integrity in that moment was: Are you going to present a picture of faith where everything is all together? Or if integrity is about consistency in your whole life, will you speak to let people in on, admit and acknowledge that actually there are some other pieces of the story and it may not make you look as shiny or as good or as as it, or as much as you would like to present and project, but actually it's honest. And it's an honesty which doesn't leave people thinking you're more together than you are. Um, and that's an integrity thing. And I think in in um in now in my late 40s, I think the challenge is often about what are the things that I say I say matter? And so it's like, where have I drifted? Where have I drifted into values that don't really reflect things? Um, so for example, I'm struck there are two that's really stand out for me right now, if it's okay to share them. Yes. Um two that share out is one about busyness. We have we have idolized busyness in the West and world to the point that we will kind of get rid is and yet look at the <laughs> 10 commandments and it's number four about taking a day off and that person doesn't take a day off and we're like they're a hero they're a champion they're working really hard and and in some cases it's because the challenge of our lives means we're holding down three four jobs and all these kinds of things we don't know how to make that happen and I think for me I've had to ask myself what does it if I really believe what God says about these sorts of things what steps am I making to live into that mm. or am I Am I making this worse by celebrating something which I know is destroying people's lives and rhythms and relationships? And I, am I, and, and somewhat, sometimes the, even the rhythm of my social media and things like that, making it look like I'm on the go, go, go all the time. I'm off. I'm, I've taken, I've had weeks off and maybe a member of my team has helped me do something. Actually, I need to say things like that. Because what I've noticed is that people I'm mentoring are like, oh gosh, I've got to get this together and this together and this together. And I'm like, no, you don't. But there, there's been a disconnect in the language. I think the other one about integrity is about power. You know, when I was growing up, we heard a lot about how to live. Like a lot of people would talk about sex. A lot of people would talk about money. No one talked about power, which actually would have been helpful because it would have straightened out a couple of the other two things anyway. Yeah. You know, yeah. no one talked about power. And and growing up in an environment where I didn't really have any, when I had some form of relative power, I honestly didn't know what to do with it. And I didn't know how to feel about it. I didn't know what that meant. I didn't know what it looked like in my skin and in my body to have any kind of power and, and what that would mean for me as a black woman, what, what it would mean for me as a leader and what I what what I want to do with that. And so so the question of integrity now has been, what does it look like to be consistent with how Jesus uses power? And will I agree with him or will I be like, finally, I got some. Wow. And that's a challenge. I'm just going <laughs> to, that's a challenge. Each us. <laughs> wow. My goodness. Will I celebrate what we know to be detrimental to our health as a culture 
Will I grow more consistent? My goodness, these are questions that we have to sit with. Are we going to, you know, look to the Lord and how he has exemplified and modeled how to live with integrity or will we continue to celebrate the culture? Hmm. I think it's so easy to get caught up in it. And even as you were speaking, you know, I have a little speaking engagement this upcoming weekend and I have been tormented because I'm like, do I really tell them <laughs> what I'm going through? Because it's not that cute right now. And I think that I just, I'm just super grateful for what you shared because it is important to speak from that place of transparency and authenticity without having to give everything away, right? We don't have to. Yeah, absolutely. There is appropriate sharing. And then there's, like, I wish you stopped talking sharing. <laughs> and you're like, ah, and everybody starts feeling uncomfortable. But that's when it's gone a little far. Yeah. Mm. It's not your therapy appointment. You, you still speak. <laughs> It's not your therapy appointment, sis. Ah, I want to ask, you know, you have so many different years of experience in leadership and you now help other women to walk in leadership through your, your coaching program, through the Azer Collective, which I would love for you to tell us about. But I, I want to ask, what have you learned? What is a non-negotiable for leaders who wanted to commit to a lifetime of healthy leadership? I would say, and I love the way you use non-negotiable because I do think there are some, I think do not your character and who you are on the inside is more important than your gifts. It's more important than your gifts. And, and I think we give ourselves a pass. I think we give talented people a pass. Um, we get for our own convenience or efficiency and all that kind of stuff. And it doesn't end well. If there was one thing, that would be my first every time. Character above gifting every time. Wholeness above gifting. That your inner life more than your external presentation. You, you, we've just got. We've got to believe that. We've got to believe that. And if that means you bench yourself or you bench somebody on your team so that they have the time to face who they are in the mirror to deal with their deal with their stuff. I'm not saying that you're disqualified forever. I'm saying to prevent yourself from being disqualified permanently through bad choices you make, let's get that heart healed. I would rather have a year of therapy than need it for 10 because it's diminishing returns. It's diminishing returns that whole time. And I, I think that has been my like plea. If any anyone, if every time I speak to anybody, like what's the most important thing inside? And I say that to people who are believers and people who aren't, I'm like who you are on the inside is your story. That, that is your story. You're leading with that too. And, and, and again, not to condemn, yes, not to condemn, not to accuse, but the leadership has its, has its addictions. It just does. It, it's, it can be an, it can be a narcotic. It can compel and draw all things out of you. Do not let your, do not let yourself go further than your wholeness can take you. You know, and, and the, and I wish I would say, you know, back in the, back when we're starting out, we're like, Lord, if it's right, open a door. Slam the door shut in my face if I'm not ready for it. And that that's great for Leadership 101. But 102, 201, all the rest, those doors open either way. And, and so if you're still operating at that point of, well, if it was a bad idea, it wouldn't have come to me. When actually someone's just like, they look talented, they look gifted, I, it's what I need. Let's go kind of thing. Then you might not be, the, you don't let other people always be the discernment of when whether you're ready or don't let the, whether an opportunity comes your way as a sign that this is the best thing for you. But it can be so flattering and so affirming and so encouraging. You feel so seen, but if you're, if you're not doing great, and, and we're not saying, I'm not saying like achieve perfection, but if you know, like 
you know, that I should have been benched. In my younger years, I should have been benched, really, honestly, because it was not good. I, it was not good. Um, and 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 taken aside. Mm-hmm. But I, I wasn't ex- I wasn't talking to anybody. I was, you, do you know what I mean? I just, yeah. I, was in, I was in a different spot. But I would say to any of us who are wrestling with some things, give yourself some time. Give yourself some time to come come out whole and strong or at the very minimum in process. <laughs> do, you know, do you know what I mean? In process. And that's, that would be the non-negotiable for me. Yeah, in process. My goodness, I just, I resonate with that. As I've mentioned, this subject has brought so many different things up to the surface. And as I look back over, you know, my opportunity to have led in different capacities, I see just how grateful I am for those seasons where the Lord sat me down. I had the incredible opportunity to serve at a senior level leadership position in a church. And I felt as if the Lord was moving on that he had, you know, he had leaders he'd clearly assigned to just steward it into the next season. And as I began to share that, so many different people are like, no, this, you know, absolutely not. You're the one you're doing well, keep going. There's something wrong. And as I look back, I'm so grateful he sat me down and that I was able to lean into that because I don't know if you've ever experienced this and how you get over it, but although I have found healing and although I have been able to even offer it to others as I've apologized for some mistakes that I made in my naivete and in my ignorance and in my own pride, I still have some remorse, you know, that I made some of those mistakes, that I put people through some of that. How have you navigated that as you look back? Is it just something that you continue to bring to the Lord and ask him to renew your mind in? Or is there anything else that you may do? (laughs) Sis, it is time for you to start communicating confidently about God's truth. And I am here to help you do that. Whether you want to begin launching your own podcast or you want to recognize your areas of strength and the opportunities of growth you have, you can find a variety of resources in the show notes below as well as at liveduly.com. It's there that you can access the seven podcasting essentials that I cannot do without, as well as the confidence quiz that I've prepared just for you. Now, go be great. What, for the mistakes kind of thing? Yeah, and you look back and you're like, man, that season when I was young, that was a mess. I've learned to have compassion to where I was at at the time. And I think that I, and I have to take personally that the Bible says there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Mm. And so, because, because I tell you what happened first, I went from being all over the place to then legalistic. It was almost like trying to overcompensate mm-hmm. and, and it was guilt and shame driven. So on one level, I might've looked right. Yeah. I might've looked like I had my life in line, but honestly, I was as broken as I was before. I really was because the shame and the guilt and the accusation was just driving and driving and driving my every single, I was not free. I just looked publicly together. Um, and so I think some of it might be, there may be someone you need to talk to, you might need to process. One, there's a, a practice I do a lot, which is, and we do this when we gather at Asa Collective and stuff, is we often have a cross in the middle of a room and ask people to, to write things down and put it on the cross. And it's just, sometimes you just need a physical reminder on this day, 
we're not, I'm not saying there's, there's anything magic in the post-it note. We know there's no magic in the post-it note, but sometimes you need a landmark to say, yeah. this was the day I put it down before Christ. This was the day when I said, where I began the journey of forgiving myself. This is a day when I said, Lord, would you start speaking into this? So at least you go back to that moment. You don't keep on going back to the moment itself. Oh and any kind of practice that can help you go back to the moment you and God were working on it rather than, because because here's the thing, the accuser will tell you whatever it takes to stop you, to stop your work, stop your leadership life being redeemed. And, and if you can get the distance on it, then you will take those, scar, those scars and there'll be lessons rather than reasons to hide because that that's where it gets to go as god continues to redeem your story they get to be lessons that you share rather than reasons to hide <sighs> this is why y'all this is why i was so excited she said yes <laughs> that was pure gold my goodness i want to ask you know <clears throat> What should we look for when we look for a mentor? What kinds of things should we, you know, look for within them? What kinds of things should we even recognize before we step to ask them if they will be a mentor? And then how do you recommend people, you know, conduct relationships with those mentors? Yeah. I've got to say, this is one of the hardest areas and so I'm just going to apologize right now for everybody, because this is a tough one. It is. And, and I think there are two things that are going on. I mean, we are in many ways at a deficit. So like even amongst my coaching community, we talk about looking for the unicorn because it's so hard to find. But also, first of all, I'd ask what you really want. Is it a mentor you want a response or a combination of the two? And the distinction is the mentor gives advice. The sponsor not only gives advice, but they take your name to the table. They get you to the next level. I think it was in Harvard, Harvard Business Review, that they talked about black women being over-mentored and under-sponsored. I think some of us would say, actually, also under-mentored and, <laughs> and under-sponsored. Can we just broaden it out depending yeah. on our sphere of it and uh, work? So I would, I would, I would say, and it sounds pretty hopeless, but there are a couple of things I would do. One, we are the most resourced era in history. And so there are certain things, that, and, and I'm not saying it's the same. I, I don't want to patronize. I say, oh, it's fine. You've got online. But I would say it's not nothing. It's not nothing, the things that you can read. It's not nothing, the podcast you can listen to. It's not, it's not nothing, the events you can, the coaching or whatever, the digital version. So I would say, look for some digital things that will help resource your leadership. It, and it might be hard work. You might need to like ask people for recommendations. That's one thing I would ask. I would ask what you ask yourself what you want. Are you looking for a mother? Because a mentor isn't a mother. Are you looking someone, for someone to decide for you the things that you already know you need to do? Because they're not that either. They are not your decision-making process. If you're looking for advice for a, a, a race you're already running, that is different to someone who's going to tell you to get up and run. And, and I would, and my observation of people who mentor is they tend to look for people who are already running, who are already engaged with it. Other way, ways you could find mentors, and this vary. I mean, it, it varies from time to time. Maybe in, in the if in the context of church or the spaces that you're working in, there's a project someone's working on that you can work alongside them in, mm -hmm. because then you'll learn. And I like on the job mentoring, to be honest, because it's more, it's it it stops you from. Is, are they a mentor? Are they my therapist? Do you know, do you know what I mean? It, it keeps it focused. <laughs> if there are people that you admire and stuff, that then there is a space for a mentoring question. 
Like, is there a question, like when I wanted to find an answer, I'd write the question down because, it, and if I was walking along at an event or something and I saw somebody, I'd be like, I've got one question. And I'd ask them that specific question. And it, it was like a mentoring minute. <laughs> and get, like get the information there. That those, those are some of the things I would suggest are helpful ways. I think for someone to be a sponsor, you tend to need to be in relationship with them in some way. Because for them to risk their credibility, they, they want to know you. They want to know who you are. So I want to ask you about your networks and your spheres of connection with people. What are the networks you're building? I, would, I wouldn't, go, I tell you the other thing, peer mentoring is real. You know, who are your peers who are doing the same sorts of things, who are running in the same directions as you and are about the same things as you? What can you mentor one another in some way? And on one level, these feel like weak versions of what we may see our male contemporaries get. And I would say they are different versions. I, I, they're not always weaker, but I do think it is harder. I do. I, and it would be it, it would be unfair for me to suggest otherwise. Um I would, if someone is saying, I really want to grow, I would ask you, what are you reading? What are you listening to? What are you watching? And what are you wanting to get out of those, get out of those things? There's a lot of growing you can do from those kinds of resources. And then alongside that, I would say pray and fast. I really would, because you didn't come to play with your calling. So pray and fast that the Lord will provide and, and stay ready. When I, when I, if I'm looking for someone to mentor, I'm often looking for who is getting on with it anyway. Mm-hmm. who is getting on with it anyway who is doing what they are about who is trying to be faithful who needs an encouragement for today who and, and honestly I would uh, who, who's kind of doing something and I would say to all of us we need to create a different culture of mentoring I want to encourage everybody listening to this podcast who can you be these things for yeah. now again not in every season sometimes you're like Joe I need to sleep today then go sleep that's fine but but are there people you can encourage they might be six seven steps behind you um who who can you um, give a tip, a, a tip to a, bit, a piece of advice that will help them along their way? That because I think as well, those kinds of people are very attractive. You know, um, and those are those are ways to stay ready. I think you've got to, depending on your field and your and your sphere of influence and, and the place that God's called you to, whether it be at the workplace, the marketplace, church ministry. Ask yourself what it's what it looks like to stay ready. And to invest in your and, and to invest in your goals and leadership. And because God knows, God knows your calling. And he can even use these things which are actually patently unfair. He can use these things to fashion and forge and mature you. He can use them, but we need to stop playing with this calling. It's time to fast. It's time to pray, y'all. Yeah. It's time to get this thing together. <laughs> get it in his face. The last question I have for you on this subject is, and I have so many more, but I know that your time is precious. In in your book, you mentioned, you tell the story about the daughters of Zelophehada, some of my favorite women in the scriptures. And what strikes me most about them is that they brought their and their father's integrity before Moses as they told him, you know, like our father was not involved in Korah's Mm. rebellion. And I want to know, what do we need to know about ourselves as we prepare to lead with other women. We've been talking about character. We've been talking about healing and doing the deep work, you know, inviting God into some of those broken areas. 
what do we need to know as about ourselves? What kinds of questions can we ask ourselves as we prepare to lead with other women so that we can do so from a healthy place? Okay. Mm. I would ask, what are you jealous of? Honestly, who or what are you jealous of? Can you celebrate someone else's gift and progress and opportunity? Can you, or does it feel a threat to you? Those are, those are just good things to know. You know, and and again, no shame, no shade on it at all. But it's important to know. It's important to know the things within us. And it won't be the same for all of us. You might hear somebody, you know, and you might have to just watch. You might be like, I'm fine, I'm fine. But then you hear that woman sing and then you're practicing that same run for the rest of the day. I would suggest that if it's not that there might be a little thing there. If you're trying to conquer what she did and take it further. Mm. I would I would just offer to you, perhaps you might want to process that a little before the throne. Um, if you are, if you can't see someone do something without you now, now, and I say you have to assess it because sometimes those things ignite us to inspire us. Sometimes it's almost like your calling is calling. And so it's like they aggravate us because God's like, well, <laughs> You see her use your gift. Will you? Well, she's in the same kind of lane as. Are you going to use your gift? Sometimes the Lord does do that to us. Yeah. I'm talking about those times when you know what your gift is and you're seeing it, and you can't help but find a way to make you a little bit better, or make them a little bit less in your heart, in your conversation. Where if the bile is rising in your throat when you want to say thank you for what you shared, then there's something else going on. <laughs> I mean, you just have to be be mindful i think you but but here's the other thing i want us to be mindful of the context as well because i often describe this the dilemma with this is of a game of musical chairs musical chairs is a great game when you're a kid there are a few chairs there's some nasty prizes that are really cheap but you don't know that because you're a child and they're wrapped up and you dance around the thing and the music is playing and playing and playing and then and it's okay to pretend you're walking but you're running and you're elbowing people and all that kind of stuff and they're taking the chairs away but you will contend for your miracle of that plastic toy banned in 17 countries around the world and you're going to keep on going <laughs> and it's wonderful and and it doesn't matter you people people become children become different kinds of beings when they're playing musical chairs yeah. for the sake of the gift and, that, and that's a gate. That's a great game for kids, but it's a terrible way to function with women leaders. Uh, but but it, um, but it's a kind of form of created scarcity because there are these opportunities in your job, in promotion, in opportunity, and these kind in your ministry. And there's forty qualified women, all anointed, all gifted, all got bills to pay, all prayed up, and um and there are five chairs. How are you going to play the game of musical chairs? How are you going to walk around? Will you try and go faster? Will you nudge anybody in the, trip them up a little bit so you can grab your prize? And so, and I think sometimes the, the when it's become unhealthy competition, I, I like to ask about the jealousy, but also ask about the context mm. and say, was it set up? What, I mean, sometimes you, you, you didn't realize you're walking into a game of musical chairs. Mm -hmm. You didn't realize that although we serve a God of abundance, the environment that was built around you was a real scarce one. And there's only, there's only room for one black woman because apparently one black woman speaks for all black women in all humanity of all time. Come on. Do you know what I mean? We can't, have, we can't have two or three in a lineup of a conference. We just got to have one. And often, and we just like rotate her around. Anyway, those are other conversations. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Or only one black woman gets that book deal and all these kinds of things. And it, and it puts a burden of pressure on that woman, but also on the on the wider community as well. Um, and so I, I think I would just in, encourage us to observe those things, but also then work out if some not not every table is worth dancing around. 
Not every cable is worth it. Honestly, you have to ask yourself, is it, is it worth it? Is your call worth this? If, what, it, what, it, what gains a woman if you gain the whole world and forfeit your soul? What, so you gain that place at the table and at the expense of your integrity and the debris of women who you trampled on to get there? I mean, how, how do you rebuild those sorts of things? Um, or, or will you do? Will you resolve to do things differently? For some of us, some of us, the answer is it's time to build your own tables, yeah. you know, and with different values. For some of us, it's like build a barn because a table's not going to work for the kind of thing you're trying to build. Um, and and what does it look like to be to say, you know, what we're all here for a job interview, and we know someone's going to be disappointed, but I will act out of integrity all the way there. So I'm going to be like. I'm going to say my best and show up and do my best, but I'm going to wish that other woman well. Yes. You know, that there are, there are rules of engagement. You know, we've watched our favorite athletes compete and compete clean. What does it look like for us to do things clean in the, in the, in the situations we can't avoid? Yes. We have to, we, we need to think about those things um, because it's amazing what you lose um, when you win like that. <sighs> My goodness, that was a mic drop if there ever was one. Thank you so much for your time. Will you have any other gatherings for the Azer Collective this summer, this fall? What yeah. uh, did the different ways that we can get connected to you? What's going on with your, your coaching group? <laughs> Tell us all the things, please. Yeah, well, the Azer Collective is a leadership intensive for um, women, um, who are believers, but they, some are leading in business, they're entrepreneurs, they are pastors, they are ministry leaders, podcasters, the whole range. And the design is deliberately not a big gathering um, so that there's a time for them to network and connect with one another, um, for them to get practical training for their leadership space and some space to invest in their leadership. Leaders often invest in everybody but themselves. Um, so we do that a couple of times a year. Um, so this springtime, right, we're in San Francisco. In the fall, we'll be in Minneapolis. November 1st and 2nd, 3rd and 4th, we'll do Asa Collective then. Um, and, and then the following February, it's in Portland. But the, So the goal is just to keep on having these spaces where women can gather. Because what I've seen is once they're in the room and, and everybody knows it's okay to be themselves, they start collaborating. There are initiatives, business ideas, all sorts of things coming out of these spaces. There are often pay rises that come out of this space because we always get someone in to talk to about how you negotiate and how you network. Awesome. You know, these things are just really important. We, we Often one of the most painful things, as we mentioned earlier, is a lack of mentoring. It's a mentoring space. It's the mentoring space. And not just by me hosting it, but by all the women in the room. If you know, that CEO there is like, let me tell you about how you're going to negotiate for your pay when you go back. That nonprofit leader saying, okay, let me tell you about some practices that you need to bear in mind. The, and I would just have, have a heart to see us trained so that we can go back to our spaces. It's not about building ASA for itself. I'm not interested in that. It's a catalyst. A catalyst is designed to ignite something for something else. And so the goal of ASA is to ignite these women leaders to go back to their spaces, equipped and empowered to, to play their part in his great commission, wherever that is, in tech, in church, wherever, and, and to do so from a place of wholeness, but also without the loneliness that can stalk so many leaders. 
Um, so yes, uh, that there's always information on my website about that. JoeSaxon.com. You'll find um, that yeah, the November dates will be up there. If they're not up there yet, they'll be up there soon. And um, and and just to keep on following that space, I also have a digital community coaching space where some people come just to get content once a month. Others want again want that kind of space where they can talk with other women leaders. And I think for me, my call in this chapter of my life is just to keep on creating spaces where women can can come get catalyzed and go back because I think there are just lots and lots of dreams that are in the rubble of the overwhelm of our lives. Do you know what I mean? There are lots and lots of goal of gifts and calling and anointing that is in the rubble because no one actually said you, you can do this and we will help you. And those, these are spaces where we just constantly say, you can do this. We can help you. And, and, and we, and we give what we can and connect you with who you can so you can get on and do your call. Ah, that's amazing. I've had so many friends go to the Azer Collective. My goodness, have they have oh, they have so many good things to say. I can't wait to the day I can come. I cannot wait. <laughs> My okay. goodness. Can I ask you two secrets before you head out? Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. And the first is what are you doing on a day off? On a day off, it normally involves going to the gym or some kind of workout of some kind. And I've just recently joined a gym, which has a steam room and that steam room is a gift from Jesus. Yes. I don't know how to describe it any other way, but I'm just, my kid came home and said, it's life changing. And I thought that's very dramatic. And I got there. I thought it's <laughs> absolutely right. It's life, it's life changing. I often get, grab a coffee with somebody or by myself and, and the rest is just nothing. That's the beauty of it. I don't do anything. Mm -hmm. If it's, if it's warm enough, I'll walk or something, but I'm, I'm not, it's a day without agenda um on a day off I do like to listen to music though so Anita Baker might come out especially for for times like that because you can never have too much Anita so there you, go. you can never have too much Anita unless you're my sister-in-law and then my brother puts Anita on when he's on a road trip because it puts her to sleep I am not a fan of my sister-in-law in that regard because I'm like how could you fall asleep to Anita Baker how you but sleep to Anita? you know to oh, their own <laughs> leaving me with thoughts <laughs> <laughs> lastly is what's bringing a smile to your face these days um you know i have two teenage girls and i mean they have they have brought me joy and angst all the time <laughs> but i think what is wonderful is just seeing them discover who they are you know and seeing i think particularly after the years of the pandemic which cost all of us so much in so many ways and seeing what it cost them to see them come in, you know, budding, coming into their own is a really wonderful thing. That's beautiful. That is beautiful. May I ask you to pray us out? Oh my gosh, what a privilege. Yes. Yes, yes. Lord God, I want to thank you for this community, for Liv's work. I ask your mighty blessing upon it. And Lord, I, I want to ask that for every leader who is wrestling, struggling, wondering with their call, Lord, you'd show them what the next step is about integrity. For those who need wholeness, Lord, I pray you'd give them safe spaces. For those who need to stop something, you'd give them courage to stop. Lord, for those who feel isolated without mentors, you'd show them the next step of getting some support. But Lord, I pray for each and every one of these leaders. I pray as you call them, you'd give them the courage to say yes to you. That no matter how wild the idea or exciting or adventurous, that when you say, whom shall I send into the corporate world, into podcasting, into the arts, into wherever you've got for them, they would each say, here am I, send me. We ask this in your name for your glory and yours alone, Lord. Amen. Amen and amen.
<sighs> Didn't that conversation just make you want to get into your word? I know I can't wait to just find some time with God to study his word. If this conversation helped you in any way, would you please head over to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Audible and leave a review? It would truly help others to find this conversation. Now, in between time, I am at Candid Live, and it would be a pleasure to do life with you. I'll talk with you soon. Love you.